You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. On a recent afternoon here in our newsroom in San Francisco, Sarah, Hi. can I ambush you for yeah, two yeah, seconds? Yeah. I walked around with a mic and I asked everyone about their online shopping habits. Um, I was wondering if you yeah. buy things online. I do. Yeah. I buy most of my stuff online these days. Really? Yeah. What do you, what do you get? Um, we just recently started using Amazon Prime for all of our grocery deliveries. It's so much easier considering we have a baby at home and can rarely leave the house. Oh, that's right. Specifically, I was curious if people had thought about the carbon emissions from all their deliveries. Have you ever worried about like the environmental impact? We do. Actually, yeah, there was, uh, there was an interesting discussion in our neighborhoods next door. And if they felt guilty about it. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, what do you do about that concern? Um... Um, I plant a tree every time. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> how how many deliveries would you estimate you get a week or a month? Uh, three to five a week. Oh, that's quite a bit. We that's get a lot, lot. yeah. A lot. My wife probably does more. Actually, my wife definitely does more shopping than I do, but, but I do a little bit. And have you guys worried about the carbon emissions of all those? Yeah, deliveries? totally. Really? Totally. We worry about it a lot, but not enough to, like, stop. <laughs> Just like me. We're total hypocrites. <laughs> total hypocrites. That you just heard is our executive editor, Tom Giles. And I think the sentiment he expressed is familiar to a lot of us. Amazon makes billions of shipments a year involving planes and ships, trucks and cars that emit a lot of carbon dioxide. Today in the show, we're taking you inside a group of Amazon employees who, unlike me and Tom, actually did something about their concern. They banded together, and they tried to publicly pressure their employer to do more to fight climate change. And with the help of a professor who studied this very issue, we'll also see if getting everything delivered to us could eventually, with the right decisions, become a good thing for the environment. I'm Aki Ito. You're listening to Decrypted. Stay with us. So Spencer, can you introduce yourself? I'm Spencer Soper, and I'm a technology reporter with Bloomberg. You know, Spencer, you've been covering Amazon for many years now. When did this issue of the environment start popping up in your reporting? 
Amazon's environmental impact has been an issue since I started here covering Amazon in 2014. Its environmental effects have always been top of mind because everyone gets packages from Amazon and sometimes they come in very big boxes and uh, there have always been concerns about waste. This issue, whether it's waste or the carbon emissions, has it been a longstanding concern for the people who work at Amazon? Yes. So uh, people who work at Amazon have been worried about this for for a number of years. And it seems like it's been an issue that's kind of come up here and there. And so people have done things like write six-page papers on Amazon's uh, environmental impacts, hoping to get the company to do a little more. Or they've presented ideas at uh, these Think Big events where Amazon tries to get employees to share their big ideas, things that can guide the business into the future. And nothing really accomplished anything. So in 2018, a group of employees started looking at it more seriously. And a galvanizing moment at that time was when they started looking at what other companies were doing, companies like DHL or Google. And they learned that Amazon was falling pretty far shy of its competitors in terms of being proactive about its environmental impacts. So that coalesced in the employees getting together to file a shareholder resolution. For listeners who don't know, what is a shareholder resolution? So Amazon employees also are shareholders, and shareholder resolution is a process by which uh, anyone who owns shares of a company can present an idea to officially be voted on by other shareholders to basically send a message to the company what's important to the people who who own the company. We should note that a shareholder resolution is non-binding, right? It's basically kind of a way to shame a company's executives, I guess. It's a way to apply public pressure. Yes, definitely. A a way to apply public pressure and call attention to an issue. Seeing it on other things like gender diversity and and, uh, racial diversity, those sorts of things. What did this particular resolution call for? It was pretty broad, but it basically called on Amazon to create a comprehensive plan to take more steps to address climate change and to reduce its effects on climate change. Okay, so a group of Amazon employees decide to very publicly call for Amazon to do more to fight climate change. What happens next? So a shareholder resolution coming from Amazon employees is extremely rare. They tend to keep problems within the family and don't discuss them publicly. And then afterward, Emily Cunningham, who is promoting this effort, employee effort within Amazon, sent an email to her colleagues trying to explain herself, like, this is why climate change is important to me, and this is why I felt it was important to present this resolution. And she asked any colleagues who felt similarly to to join her in signing the resolution. And one of her colleagues who got that email was Maren Costa. My name is Maren Costa, and uh, my title is Principal User Experience Designer. So Maren is a UX designer who's been working at Amazon for several years. She's a mother, and uh, she's concerned about the environment especially Amazon's impact on the environment. And it's something that she's felt uh, personally conflicted about herself. So when the email arrived in her inbox, uh, this was an issue she immediately wanted to get involved with. And I wrote back immediately and just said, oh my God, this is amazing. I've been sitting here by myself feeling frustrated and futile. So I immediately signed. So they filed the shareholder resolution in December. 
and it immediately got the attention of Amazon's senior management. And in January, the employees meet with Amazon's senior leadership. We asked them to release data about our carbon footprint. We asked them for a date on when we would be carbon or 100% renewable energy, and they refused to give both. But they did agree in that initial meeting not to challenge our resolution and allow it to go on the ballot for a vote. Online retail giant Amazon plans to make half of its shipments carbon neutral by 2030. And then in February, Amazon announced Amazon Shipment Zero, which is this pledge to reduce carbon emissions with a goal of reducing them by 50 percent by 2030. Amazon employees thought this was obviously a, an effort to try to appease, appease them and recognize concerns about Amazon's carbon footprint. What's kind of the group's reaction to, to Project Zero? More sweeping the floors while the house is burning down. A bucket of water on a forest fire, you know, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, <laughs> whatever you want to say. It's not enough. We need a date. We're still behind. We're still way behind. So shortly after that announcement, the Amazon employees are once again called into a meeting with Amazon leadership, and they were asked if they'd be willing to withdraw their proposal since Amazon was now, you know, moving in their direction of addressing climate change. So we said we wouldn't withdraw unless we could get a date. We still didn't have a date by when we would be 100% renewable. That's something that was important to the employees was just like, okay, let's just pose this question and force a vote on it so that so that everyone has to go on record on, on where they stand. So Amazon has its annual shareholder meeting in May. It does it in, in Seattle. And there's always a smorgasbord of protesters there airing grievances about Amazon. The big addition this year were the employee climate change protesters. And so you had this large contingent of Amazon employees. Um, they were dressed in white T-shirts to show solidarity. They had signs and things calling for Amazon to address climate change. And a big difference was because many of these uh, Amazon employees are actual shareholders, is that these protesters got into the room. Emily Cunningham will now introduce a shareholder proposal requesting a report on climate change topics. One of the employees stood up, uh, Emily Cunningham, and she actually, like, it was kind of a dramatic moment to actually called uh, for Jeff Bezos to come out and hear her speak. Before I start my time, I'd like to ask for Jeff Bezos to come out on stage so that I can speak to him directly. He did not. He was still in the in the back. He comes out and gives like a, a presentation, but he's not there for the entire shareholder meeting. Will he be hearing this speech? I assume so. I'm Emily Cunningham. I've worked at Amazon for the last five years. And she basically laid out the employees' concerns and why they were uh, proposing this, this petition. Emily asked the Amazon employees that were there to stand up, but also many other people, just non-employees, just shareholders, stood up in support. Some people were even crying, you know. It was, it was, really, it was a really powerful moment. So... The shareholder proposal went down. It gained about 30% support from Amazon shareholders, which, which wasn't sufficient. But it was a, still a pretty big number. 
and it really encouraged the employees that they were able to reach such a high watermark in terms of support. Testing, one, two, three. So after the vote, the meeting room clears out, and the employees basically, you know, grouped together, uh, standing beneath one of their banners, and they spoke to the, to the media. Without bold, rapid action, we will lose our only chance to avoid catastrophic warming. There's no issue more important to our customers or our world than the climate crisis, and we are falling far short. Jeff Bezos, can you see children who might have drowned? Towns thriving that might have burned? Species swimming that might have been lost forever? How will we tell our children? Do you feel like Marin and her group were able to accomplish something that people before weren't able to accomplish? Yes, I mean, they were able to demonstrate that there's a significant movement within the company that a lot of people are, are uncomfortable. We have a tight labor market. A lot of these jobs are extremely hard for companies like Amazon to find people for and hire them for. And so if people feel like there are other companies where they can work and feel more comfortable about their place in society, if that company is doing more to protect the environment, they can very easily jump ship and, and go to those jobs. So this is something that Amazon has to consider from a an employee retention standpoint, which is which is extremely important for, for the tech industry. We'll be right back. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so before the break, we heard about a group of Amazon employees who are pressuring their company into doing better for the planet. And I guess that begs the question, how bad is Amazon? Because the alternative to Amazon and to e-commerce more broadly is all of us driving individually to the store, and that's also bad for the planet. And to answer that question, Spencer, you talked to an expert. Yes, I met with Ann Goodchild. She's a professor at the University of Washington uh, in Amazon's hometown of Seattle. So what's the last thing you bought online? Mm. Oof. So... I think cat collars. Cat collars? Yeah. So we have these two cats. Oh, collars. Yeah. I thought you said collars. Collar. Yeah, okay. (laughs) They're from Ontario. Um, And it's interesting because this project for her began as a question that probably a lot of other people have asked themselves. I think we started in 2010. It was actually a couple of studies. A grad student and I were both using grocery delivery services and just had a personal interest in trying to understand what that meant for transport and emissions. Mm. It started from her guilty conscience like the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Guilty conscience and, and a question. And the question was a good one because theoretically, shopping on Amazon could be a good thing. If you live on a cul de sac with 20 homes and all of those people go to the supermarket once a week, maybe they go to Costco twice a month, 
and you you add up all of those vehicle trips, if you could replace all of those vehicle trips with one weekly truck trip through the neighborhood to all of those homes, delivering all of those things, then you're actually burning less fossil fuel. Then that's a, that's a more efficient way to get the products to those people. Our existing model is not very efficient from an energy or traffic standpoint. If, if that basic model is you get in the car, you drive to the grocery store, and you drive home again, that's not hard to beat. <laughs> Sometimes you get in your car, drive to the grocery store, drive home, realize you forgot something, <laughs> drive back, drive home. Yes, especially... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to make fun of my husband, but I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. It's all, it's all in fun. So there is a possibility that by utilizing e-commerce more, you're actually helping the planet. That's the theory. In practice, the exact opposite happens. So there's many things that erode the benefits of that sort of idealized delivery service concept. One of those is that you have multiple players. So... If we have three or four companies doing a a similar thing, so you have four different trucks in your neighborhood instead of potentially one. Another one is this idea of really fast delivery times. So if you're delivering and you do it once a week versus if you do it every day, you can squish more stuff into a bigger truck and have a lower cost, a lower carbon dioxide footprint. So that pressure to deliver more quickly is also eroding the potential benefits. And, and we're talking about just carbon emissions from the transportation, right? It doesn't include things like packaging? Yeah, we're not even talking about packaging now. We're simply talking about the consumption of fossil fuels. So the way we're moving suggests that we're actually not you know, capturing those consolidation benefits of a delivery service. And I'm sure that right now we have increased travel demand uh, through online shopping and delivery services. All right, so what's the bottom line? If you were to think of right now, is it uh, all of these companies that are bringing stuff to you versus you going to the store? Is it better for the environment, worse for the environment, or a wash? It's worse for the environment. It's worse. Yeah. So Spencer, remember how I went around our office and made everyone feel bad about their online shopping? Yeah, they all loved you for that. (laughs) You know, given what Anne told us, it sounds like we should indeed feel bad about it, that the nagging guilt we feel is actually warranted. Yeah, it's warranted. And especially if you shop uh, very frequently, you should feel even worse. If we're unwilling to forego the convenience, despite all of this, is there anything we can do to minimize our impact on the environment? Yes. So you can be a mindful online shopper. And the main step would be to consolidate your orders. Maybe rather than having several individual packages come to your door uh, through the week, if you can you know, load up your cart and make one order each week, that's the kind of thing individual consumers can do to decrease the environmental impact. Let's say uh, Jeff Bezos wakes up tomorrow and he says, yes, employees, I, I, I heard you loud and clear, and we're going to... Mm-hmm take this issue head-on, what are, what are some changes Amazon could make uh, right now yeah. to, to, to soften its, its uh, impact? So I think one thing 
they have to do is think about, you know, the incentives that they're currently using, which are, are pretty bread and butter for their business strategy, are also encouraging people to, to use these delivery services without much consciousness. Um, it's very easy to, you're almost encouraged, right, to use the services that way and not really feel like you're paying for them. Buy now, get it now, get it tomorrow, yeah. get it today. And it's like the default, I think, the fastest free one. There needs to be some intentional thought in, you know, are we encouraging people to to use fast and frequent deliveries? So is Amazon moving in that direction? So um, Amazon announced uh, at the end of the first quarter that they'd be spending money on one-day shipping. They definitely are feeling the pressure from, from stores and a lot of these other options people have where you can order something online from, say, Walmart or Target, and then go and pick it up at the store that day. And so in an, in an earnings call in July, analysts were very interested to know, hey, what's going on with next-day delivery? Can you give us any updates? And the CFO, Brian Osofsky, actually said that it's going very well. It, it did cost a little bit more, but what they're finding is by narrowing the delivery promise to one day, they're picking up a lot more sales, that, that people are, are more engaged and they're willing to buy more things on Amazon. But given everything that Anne told us, one-day shipping is exactly the opposite of what Amazon should be doing if it really cared about the environment. Yeah, a one-day delivery pledge for the last-minute need is going to make uh, the shopping habits probably only get, only get worse for the environment. So, Spencer, what does Amazon say about all this? Well, Amazon says that uh, reducing the human impacts of climate change is important to the company, and they have teams dedicated to it. They actually mentioned one project they're working on where they're trying to develop scientific models to map the carbon footprint and look for opportunities to, to reduce it. They also said that they're going to release more information about their company-wide carbon footprint and their goals and programs later this year. Spencer, by the way, is Amazon doing anything to reduce the packaging waste from all their deliveries, things like the cardboard boxes? Because it seems like that's the thing that everyone's concerned about. Yeah, and it can be inconvenient, too, when that stuff piles up. They do have uh, technology in their warehouses that tries to optimize the size of the box for the package. But you still hear from people who, you know, order a set of headphones and end up with, a, you know, a box the size of the, the, the trunk of a car. Hmm. And what's next for Marin and her group? Well, even though their shareholder resolution went down in the spring, the Amazon employees continue to meet and are still active on this issue. They actually have a planned walkout coming up on September 20. More than 900 employees are planning to leave their jobs at Amazon for the day. This would be both in Seattle and around the world. And this is for them to participate in what's known as a global climate strike, where people at various companies and various countries are urging one another to show solidarity on the issue of climate change by by walking out of work on that day. Spencer Soper, thanks for the story today. Thanks, Aki. Decrypted is produced by me, Aki Ito, and Ethan Brooks. Emily Busso and Ann Vandermeer are our story editors. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week.
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.